Welcome in, everybody, once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, joined as always by Travis Ryer, the longtime analyst, senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, and as well the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at Tide 102.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekday mornings, 11 to noon. Uh, the Talking Tide podcast, of course, available at our web host at podbean.com. You can also get it on various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And uh, you've tuned in on a, another rough night for the Alabama basketball program, Travis. Uh, uh, as we record the podcast here, the Crimson Tide has just walked off the floor following a disheartening 66-60 to loss to Auburn. Uh, a game Alabama truly had to have in its push for uh, e- even a low seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Crimson Tide falls under 500 now in SEC play. They go to 8-9, and nine, a game that uh, they controlled in the first half and, and let it get away in the second. They definitely did. And turnovers uh, and finishing the game in general, you saw it against LSU over the weekend and look LSU's an extremely talented basketball team a physical basketball team I thought Alabama was a was a in terms of matchup was in a better place against Auburn going into Tuesday night and it looked to be that way for oh about what 27 28 minutes of the game but ultimately the turnover bug and look when it's Auburn when Auburn's involved it's really simple to sort of break down games involving the Auburn Tigers. You look at three-point shots, uh, first and foremost. The Tigers, as we know, they love to get it up from beyond the arc. And you look at points off turnovers. Auburn very opportunistic, taking the ball away, not only forcing turnovers at a pretty high rate, uh, but cashing them in for points more often than not. Not just on layups on the other end either. They'll pull up and shoot the three. Well, well, Alabama kept those numbers, three-point shots made by Auburn and points off turnovers to at least manageable numbers in the first half Tuesday night. The second half, uh, not so much. Auburn didn't shoot it well from three in the second half, but still made four compared to Alabama's one of eight from behind the mark. Uh, but really, points off turnovers. 17 to nothing, Auburn outscores Alabama off turnovers in the second half alone, 28 to eight for the game. Um, you know, and some things that, some other things that you look at that kind of make you you scratch your head uh, in this matchup, and not so much areas that ultimately hurt Alabama all that much. But you know, this was an Auburn team against Mississippi State last Saturday, Chase, that had one offensive rebound in the entire game against Mississippi State. One, one offensive rebound. Auburn had 12 on Tuesday night. 12 offensive boards against this Alabama team uh, in, in the game Tuesday night. So it, it just, there, there, there continues to be things about this Alabama team that, that just don't make any sense at all. Yeah, offensive rebounds for Auburn definitely played a, a factor. 12's too many to give up, no doubt. Alabama not boxing out at times. And, and the turnovers... Yeah, some are more crucial than others, but toward the end of the game, it it looked like Alabama was practically trying to give it away with the way they were taking care of the ball. It was a really rough night for John Petty in particular from a turnover standpoint. He ended up with six on the night. Um, 
and probably one of the most crucial for him was, you know, following an Auburn layup where they were able to uh, cut the lead, I think, to seven. Petty throws away an inbounds pass, and Auburn gets off a quick three and cuts the lead to four. Uh, so yeah. that, that's how that's how quickly your you know your league can go from 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 nine to four in a brand new ball game and you know at, at the end of the game they they threw one away down four prior yeah. to that they almost have an an over and back violation that Kira Lewis has to has to think on his feet to avoid uh, youngest player in college basketball by the way is is, is the one that's got to save you from an over and back. Um, a lot of a lot of lot to be desired from a mental standpoint. Yeah, there is, and and even Kyra, at the end of the game, the last two games, for the first time maybe this season, there have been sequences where, you know, his 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 lack of physical maturity probably as much as anything has showed up. He he had some decisions late himself that weren't the best. Um, and it's tough, man. It, for we and, and I know. Alabama fans are tired of hearing it because you, you've heard it all season. Kyra Lewis, youngest player in college basketball, 17 years old, could still be up in North Alabama playing high school basketball this season. Uh, but he, he gets put into some tough matchups for such a young guy, including on the defensive end, maybe even more so on the defensive end. Uh, and you saw that late too. Bryce Harper is, you know, a NBA caliber guard when it comes to going off the dribble with his quickness. Uh, and that's a tough matchup for anybody on Alabama's roster. But you're right. Some of the turnovers, as much as anything, are just totally inexplicable. You had one tonight on Herb Jones on an inbounds pass on Alabama's own baseline you know, where he, he travels before he throws the ball in. He, 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 he moved his feet, uh, which is fine if you're coming off a score. You know, you can run the baseline. But, but they, these are the type of mistakes – that they make maybe not necessarily late in games, but if you make enough of them, they ultimately come back to haunt. Um, and, and that's what we continue to see from this team. And, uh, you know, four years into this now with Avery Johnson, uh, I think coming out of this one, especially a regular season sweep at the hand of hands of the rival Auburn Tigers, you know, the, the, the drumbeat gets a little louder in terms of, you know, where is this program really at uh, and where is it headed? With Avery Johnson, without Avery Johnson, where is it going? Patience being tested for sure. You know, this is this is you know, Mal Moore is not at the top off. You know, Mal Moore had an incredible amount of patience, too much patience certainly with Anthony Grant. That lasted six years. Uh, Avery Johnson's team this year kind of looks like an Anthony Grant team in a lot of ways, with the way they just they just don't seem to. Uh, play good team basketball in in the biggest of games and uh, you know Greg Byrne may not have the same kind of patience that that Mal Moore did and traditionally Alabama uh, athletic department tends to be relatively patient in everything but football but but you never know I mean this is you know this could be a different AD Travis well is it is it best for the program burn or is it bottom line burn uh, when it comes to these type of decisions that he might be confronted with here. And, uh, you know, I think going into tonight or going into Tuesday night, most people felt like, ah, we're not to that point yet. Well, losses like this one, uh, when you blow an 11-point halftime lead, and it's not the first time it's happened this year, okay? 
you know, even to Georgia State in the non-conference, you kind of felt like, well, this is a team still trying to form an identity and, you know, figure things out. Well, now we're in the 30th game of the season, and it's still happening. And, and again, granted, you got to give Auburn some credit. A really good opponent, uh, you know, a team that, that's going to be a factor in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but, yeah, from that standpoint of, of, of how Avery is evaluated – going forward it's going to be it's going to be very interesting because from a bottom line standpoint chase he's not a cheap uh, buyout at this point i believe the number is right around six million if you want to go that route uh so you know how greg Byrne uh sort of goes with this assuming alabama doesn't make the tournament and that's the great elixir isn't it and it's still a possibility for this team i know we're eulogizing the season already but if alabama goes on the road this weekend to arkansas and gets a w because so many of these other bubble teams just won't take the bait and finish off at large bids, you know, Alabama could be a, a tournament team a week from now. Uh, and, and and if that's the case, you know, that's bottom line too if you're Greg Byrne. If your team makes the NCAA tournament, that answers a lot of questions with your fan base. Alabama would be would be sneaking into the into the house through the kitchen window or something. Uh, to, to, to get Joe Cocker style came year. in through the bathroom window. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it would be basically that. But that's what we're looking at this year with this soft bubble. Um, you know, and I see where Joe Lenardi in the wake of this loss, he now has has Alabama as a last four in. He still doesn't have Alabama out, Joe Lenardi of ESPN.com. So that kind of tells you the, the year that it is for teams in Alabama's place. It's almost as if the NCAA tournament, uh, NCAA selection committee is going to have to find teams this year for the for the 68-team field. And, you know, there's things working in Alabama's favor still. Uh, you know, obviously looking ahead to the weekend, you, you wouldn't think this team, uh, would be in a good place going on the road. But maybe that's exactly where they need to go right now because the last time they did it, uh, they got to win at South Carolina. So, you know, right now it's still very much up in the air. A couple guys we haven't talked about yet, Travis, want hit to hit on with you. One, uh, actually both of them kind of disappearing acts in this game for the Crimson Tide. One, Dante Hall, 34 minutes but never got involved at all offensively. They need more from him. They didn't go to him. Uh, he only took three shots, two or three from the field, um, but they need to go to. They needed to go to him a little bit more. I thought he's he's developed more than enough touch around the basket. I think at this point, to where uh, Alabama can't forget about him. Uh, do you the, think though? Do you think though, Chase, the way that they try to play offense inhibits him from getting those more traditional back to the basket? throw it into the post looks because more often than not it seems anyway he's coming out to set ball screens 20 feet from the bucket yeah so unless you get him on roll action you know off of that that they don't seem to be set up in a way offensively where they're looking to throw it into the post and and let him go to work do you see that and they don't get this they don't get the screen and roll production from him either they 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 tried to throw him some a couple of interior passes early in the game and then they then they kind of forgot about him and look they're not a good passing team either by the way 
even the most simple of passes are, are challenging, it seems like. No, and, and look, I understand that when Dante Hall gets his 10 or 12 points, a lot of them are stickbacks. It's, it's, it's not like he's... Right. Um, yeah, it's not like he's in, he, he's uh, he's getting a lot of points on on first shots. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it, the the ball's in pretty good hands with him, I think, inside for the most part. He'll have a turnover himself here and there, but I, I felt like they needed to do something to get him a little bit more involved. The other disappearing act, uh, days on Ingram, Travis, and, and and I don't know if he maybe tweak yeah. something or, or something went wrong with him physically He's been playing with a thigh issue so yeah he, he played 11 minutes to. pretty much right out of the gate and then had a and then just disappeared yeah he's had a thigh contusion he's been dealing with and it makes you wonder if that thing you know uh tightened up on him perhaps so that could have been the issue with days on ingram i hear a lot of alabama fans bark and complain when Dazon's in the game well guess what Dazon wasn't out there tonight when the collapse was in full effect so Dazon doesn't get to be the whipping boy uh after this loss to Auburn um you know getting back to Hall you know we talked about the offensive rebounds for Auburn in the game a a team that again in its last game had just one one offensive rebound in 40 minutes against Mississippi State you know it looks like you know, Dante had another nice night on the boards, and he did uh, with eight rebounds, but none of those were offensive rebounds. And that goes back to the point of, you know, if Dante wants more touches uh, or is going to get more touches, they're probably going to have to come as the result of some effort plays by him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not going to get any stick backs with zero offensive rebounds. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was 34 minutes for him. Another. Another long night for some of the starters. Lewis, 34, Hall, 34, Petty, 37. And, and with Dazon Ingram only playing 11 minutes, you saw a little bit more distribution elsewhere. Herb Jones with 25, Riley Norris with 16 points. Norris has been playing some, some good ball lately. Had a really nice lay-in right before the half uh, to extend the Crimson Tide lead. But uh, it's... Uh, yeah, the, the, the turnovers, you just can't finish games. You know, when Auburn went on the 18-2 to run in the second half and you looked up and you still knew there was like 10 minutes to go in what was basically an even game at that point, you know, if you're thinking it as a, a media member or a fan or just a, an observer in general, if you watch enough Alabama basketball to think, you know, 10 minutes in a, in a, in a tie game, do you really think this team is going to win the final 10 minutes? And, and, and more importantly, you're starting to think that that's the mindset that Alabama has itself on the floor. That, uh-oh, you know, uh, they, they can't envision it for themselves, uh, much less everybody else not being able to. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to uh, take some quick time now to thank a couple of sponsors uh, that keep us around, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. Uh, be sure to get your teeth and your family's teeth taken care of over there at North River Dental. Uh, they take care. Uh, they not only do an outstanding job uh, with your teeth, but they can take care of those insurance people. They communicate with them. They deal with them. If you if you need to get 
uh, you know, reimbursed or you're having any trouble with that paperwork, they're great with that. Also great with the speed. They will get you in and out typically in less than an hour on a routine cleaning. Uh, more advanced things, implant treatments, whatever the case may be, they can take care of it. The phone number, 752-3506. You can also schedule an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com. They can remind you in any way you want, email, text message, phone call, you name it. Get in there twice a year like you're supposed to, North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about our friends at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa out there at 3200 Skyland Boulevard East. That's where you're going to find the very best selection of automobiles, both new and certified pre-owned, waiting for you right now at Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Go to MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com. Check out the entire inventory that sits on the lot right now. MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com first, then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale. It is Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. Also want to tell you about Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law. If you or someone you love has been involved in a car accident or any other incident that resulted in an injury report, Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law, are ready to serve you. 205 205- 759-1554. That's the number that's going to put you in touch with Mike Carty and John Lloyd, a pair of local attorneys who have a combined 60-plus years of legal experience between them. That's right. Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law since 1992, have represented Alabamians and others from across the United States. 205-759-1554. Also, check out the website www.cartlloydlaw.com. That's Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law. Talking Tide podcast. Moving on, Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you for an abbreviated version of uh, Talking Tide. Travis, I guess we'll wrap things up with some quick thoughts on the NFL scouting combine, which of course wrapped up on Monday. Alabama had eleven players on hand. Uh, as always, some guys help themselves, maybe a couple hurt themselves. Most of them just hold serve, though, Travis. Uh, kind of a, uh, I don't know, it's a misnomer that everybody either makes money or loses it at the combine. I think a lot of guys uh, just kind of flatline and, and don't do a whole lot to help themselves or hurt themselves. And, of course, a lot of guys aren't even able to work out given various injuries, et cetera. A couple guys for Alabama, Josh Jacobs, of course, not doing anything for the Crimson Tide. Number one rated running back in this draft. Uh, So he's looking to uh, heal up, I suppose, for uh, a pro day performance for NFL scouts. Also, Deontay Thompson with that busted wrist. Uh, which he hurt in training. Uh, he didn't do anything as well. He was there, of course. He went through interviews, et cetera, as did Jacobs, but uh, did not compete. He's going to be shooting for a makeup pro day date of April 2nd. Uh, the Crimson Tide's regular pro day is going to be on March 19th. Thompson most definitely will not be ready for that. Uh, but some other thoughts, I guess, Travis Quinnen Williams uh, definitely helped himself, I guess. If if a top five guy can help himself at all, he did it. Uh, ends up running well in the agility drills, did well in the position drills, which are most important of all for defensive linemen. Runs a four eight three, which is certainly very impressive for a guy weighing three hundred and three pounds. Although of course that forty yard dash uh, is not especially important for linemen in the in, in the eyes of NFL scouts. 
but uh, Williams uh, definitely one that uh, uh, performed well. Jonah Williams, I thought, had a solid combine as well. Uh, the much-talked-about arm length on him ends up at uh, 33 inches and change, uh, which is uh, not a not great length for an offensive tackle, but not bad length either. There are starting tackles around the NFL with with arms of his length, and so uh, and and he 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 was tired of the chatter too. Uh, if you if you listen to him in his media uh, session, uh, he made some crack uh, to the reporters that. Uh, uh, if they uh, if they had longer arms, they could reach the keyboard easier, but they wouldn't be a better writer. I think that's what uh, he said. So there you go. What about Mac Wilson, Chase? It, it, that seemed like a sort of weird deal involving Mac. And we had talked about Mac Wilson before. This is a guy that, in, in terms of range of, of of where people thought he might go or can still go uh, in the 2019 NFL draft. Uh, those numbers varied greatly going into the combine. Did he do anything to sort of uh, tighten that gap between p- potential spots where he could go in terms of round, or or is there still uh, a lot of questions for Mac Wilson to answer? It might have tightened a little bit in the wrong direction. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, he goes. Uh, you know, from what I understand, he didn't exactly shine in uh, the interview portion of things, which were going to be big for him because he wasn't going to yep. be participating a lot in the physical stuff. Um, you know, he's. I guess he's still trying to um, recover from a hamstring or whatever the case may be. But he only participates in two of the physical tests: the vertical jump and the broad jump. By the way, if 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 there's a hamstring issue, those would be two events I would stay way away from so i'm not quite sure i don't know why you do anything uh frankly yeah, where, where's the advice right coming physical. from at that point yeah that's yeah. what you gotta wonder is who's who's putting stuff in in max head hopefully not uh, the same guy that told him he should come out for the draft uh yeah. but uh 32 inch vertical jump for him uh broad jump 117 inches that works out to i, I think nine feet nine inches not especially strong in either respect. Pro Day, obviously, is going to be really big for Mac. Um, by that point, uh, they'll want to see him healthy. They'll want to see him run. They'll want to see what he can do physically. And, look, if, if he's right physically, he could he could light some of those things up uh, at, at the Alabama Pro Day and, and, and maybe go a long way toward helping himself. But at the end of the day, uh, these physical tests at the Combine and at Pro Day, they don't – they don't overtake game film as a determining factor for draft status. They refine it a little bit. Uh, they twist it a little bit. But the game tape is the controller for the most part when it comes to uh, draft status. I, I think at this point, Mac Wilson is uh, uh, a second-day guy um, yeah. at, at best. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. But, but yeah, he was, uh, wasn't de- wasn't the best, the best combine for yeah. him. And, and if you're Mac Wilson, right, you, you want teams going away from Indianapolis thinking it was a, about some physical issues. You don't want them going away thinking, no, this is more of a mental thing with this guy, more so than even the physical uh, potential issues that he might be dealing with. That's right. That's right. Now, he you know, he plays a high-demand position. He does have a, a skill in pass coverage that's hard to find. The one thing he's got going for him is the guy – he he can play the he can play on third down. Uh, yeah, he, he can. He's got an instinct for it. Uh, he, he's better at it than he is stopping the run, frankly. 
Um, he is. And, and I think that I think that that that'll that that's the kind of the anchor for him, I guess, uh, as a prospect because that that's highly important uh, at any level of football, but especially. Uh, the NFL these days. A couple others, Damian Harris, I think, runs in the high four fives for his 40-yard dash, which is probably a, right about where people would have expected him to go. Uh, he, he's a case of a guy who I, I don't think necessarily helped or hurt himself. Uh, I don't think Isaiah Bugs helped or hurt himself either. He didn't really perform particularly well in the physical testing, but you, you wouldn't have expected that from Isaiah Bugs. He's a tape, yeah. he's a tape player. Um and, uh, you know, you, you go around uh, and look at some of the others. Irv Smith, I thought, uh, yeah. helped himself a little bit with a 4.63 40-yard dash. Um, did well in interviews as well, from what I understand. So, uh, you know, it, it is a huge contingent for sure from Alabama. Uh, and, and Pro Day will be – you know, Pro Day sometimes is kind of a, a letdown from an excitement standpoint because – most of Alabama's top prospects just sit on whatever they do at the combine. But this year's pro day in a couple of weeks, Travis, might have a little more intrigue than normal uh, when you consider that Mac Wilson is probably going to have uh, have to perform uh, some. Mm-hmm. Maybe Josh Jacobs gets out there. It, it it could be a little bit more buzzy this time around. Yeah, if you're Quinnen Williams, I don't even know if you come within seven miles no. of the indoor facility. Uh, after that performance in in Indianapolis. But you're right. There's still guys like Savion Smith that still need to use every opportunity that they get. Um, You you know, Deontay Thompson would love to be able to do something. Uh, And and then you talk about the intangibles and and how important those are. A guy like Damian Harris, if I'm a team out there, um, I I want that guy in my organization. I mean, beyond all the physical attributes, obviously you got to produce. Uh, at the next level uh, and and have the ability to do that. But something else you're going to get with a guy like Damian Harris is is the, the intangibles. It's a guy that's going to impact your locker room, a guy that's going to impact your community. So that's got to help a guy like that too, right? Yeah, it, it does. And another guy who I think is going to show up on Pro Day and do quite a bit is Christian Miller uh, because yeah. he didn't do too much in Indianapolis himself. Did the vertical and did very well with that, 38.5 inches uh, but he's got a lot of boxes to check with some of these other drills. So uh, probably probably a little bit more participation from, from Alabama's top players, uh, not including Quinn and Williams, as you mentioned. He, he won't do a thing uh, except maybe position drills, I'm sure. Uh, but it uh, should be fun. That'll be March 19th. And, again, uh, Deontay Thompson shooting for uh, a makeup pro day on April 2nd. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis Ryer and myself, Chase Goodbread, will be back with you in another week or so to continue uh, this trek toward uh, what might be an NIT appearance for Alabama. Maybe they sneak in the in the back door and get into the NCAA tournament, uh, but we will keep an eye on it for you right here on Talking Tide. For Travis Ryer, I'm Chase Goodbread. We'll talk to you next time here at podbean.com.